Welcome to the Men at Work podcast. I'm your host, Travis Streb. Today's episode, I've got Renee Greer on the podcast. She is a master's level psychotherapist, a researcher, and she is studying uh, to get her PhD as well. And among many other things, she happens to specialize in men's issues. So I met Renee on Clubhouse and uh, I, we were talking for about five minutes and I was like, I just have to have her on the podcast. She's so refreshing, amazingly knowledgeable. She's done a ton of research, you know, both, both on the books and, you know, anecdotal research. She knows so much about uh, how we as men operate out in the world in relationship at work at home and this episode is full of her insight on that so we talk about men's issues <laughs> we talk about how to listen to men we talk about uh about feelings of course what men want <laughs> some new research coming from renee and so many of the kind of undercurrents of men's therapy, which is about this unconscious material and trauma that Renee talks about. I know you'll get a lot out of this episode, no matter how you identify or where you're at in relationship. So let's jump in and talk with Renee. We're just going to kind of jump in. So, um, so that, that said, uh, you know, obviously I met you on clubhouse I went to your website, I was looking around, and one of the things I saw that was like, right away, I'm like, oh, I have to talk to this woman, is okay. it said, you, speci- you specialize in men's issues. I mean, among other things, but men's issues popped up, and I'm like, what's, there's gotta be a story here. So what's the story about, what's the story about Renee and, and as a you know, master's level psychotherapist specializing in men's issues? How did that come about? That found me. Hmm. Right. I was not looking to work with me. And to be honest, I don't I don't know if any therapist is really looking to work with me. And because it's it's one of those areas that's very untouched. We haven't done a lot of research. And so um, it's it's very unfamiliar to us therapists, you know, like what's going to be the best approach for me. And but what I realized was that. it was unfamiliar for the men, but it was also unfamiliar for me. So when we have us kind of meeting up, me and this male ther- or client, I-, I started to realize that I don't know what the hell I'm doing with this guy. Like, we didn't really get educated. Like, you know, on when a man shows up, because men typically are not the client, you know, either they're the therapist or they're just not coming in. And so what I realized was that I had to listen with the whole new ear, right? When working with men, because they're typically not coming in and saying that I'm depressed, right? Um, In most cases, they're coming in because of anger, uh, maybe erectile dysfunction, uh, relationships issues, feeling overwhelmed by the current relationship, how to manage time, um, existential crisis, which is kind of like that midlife crisis. Um, feeling pushed in the relationship, which is one of the, those one, that was probably one of the the first things. Mm. Feeling pushed in this relationship. Like, you know, I'm experiencing something, Renee. I'm not really sure what's happened, but this particular guy, he he did label it as erectile dysfunction. Right? 
And so, but we're having to explore each other, right? Like yeah. I have to, to get to learn him. He has to get to learn me. And we, and that, so this relationship and how I created it was, was very different than any other client because I knew that I had to make a space for this guy. And, and, it, and I had to make him feel comfortable, right? Which was a challenge for me when I like a challenge. And so again, it was kind of this understanding that we're both in unfamiliar territory, right? And then he comes in and says, erectile dysfunction. I don't even think about erectile dysfunction, right? Um, but I do want to look at um, what we call the primary concerns, mm. right? Because erectile dysfunction for me is kind of like what comes out of um, the, the primary concerns. So it's like, so, like a symptom a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So uh, we're, we're having this conversation, just using this particular client as an example, and he's labeled the issue as erectile dysfunction. But what we discovered in the relationship that we were having, right? And this is over time, right? This is over maybe a month, month and a half of us getting to know each other. And then we realized that um, he was feeling pushed and pressured in the relationship, right? And he didn't really know which way to go. I mean, do I just need to go ahead and give her the ring? Is that the next step? She wants it and I don't wanna lose her all at the same time, but I don't wanna be with her like this. So when it, when it comes time to meeting up in um, a moment of ecstasy, I shut down because of the realities of us. Wow. So that would be an example of, of what I call a men's issue. So it's like the... Well, I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of like it's um, it sounds like a perfect microcosm of of the typical male, which is like the kind of rough, hard exterior that you have to kind of crack through to get to get what the real issue is. So you're hearing solve my erectile dysfunction issue and you're like, well, that's not really something I do, but I think there is something underneath it. <laughs> no, big time, big time. I mean, it's like. You know, and then so when, when you say open up that core, yeah, it's it's that, that hard core, it's it's kind of like that. Um, but then what I what I found was that um men they could get to the point a lot quicker, mm. right? Like the women, you gotta work through all this emotional stuff, like you gotta, you know, kind of calm the emotions first and whatever else. And, and I tend to be a more direct therapist, right? And so I just like what's going on, like you and I. Let's have a talk about it. Like I just want to know, and I and I want to be here, and I want to listen, and and I want us to meet up, and come up with the resolve, right? And so the terminology is kind of what I realized. I'd have to change how I talk. Like I, I can't, you know, hit them with this emotional intelligence. You have none, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Renee. That's very true. Yes, on behalf of all men, I will, I'll accept that. That wasn't going to work. <laughs> and so, and even calling it therapy, I would call it a meetup. Like when you and I meet up, right? What would you like for us to talk about, right? And so, 
everything changes when a man steps into the room. Um, but what I realized though, getting back to my point is that um, men would just go there. Like I would have to guide and go like, hey, Travis, um, we have a whole hour together. And um, I don't really know what you need for me to be, what, what you need for me to be for you, like how I need to show up. And I just want to learn that from you, right? So I just want to spend a bit of time getting to know each other. That's what I want to do right now, right? And then they go right in, mm. right? They go right on in. Women, you know, it's, it's different. Like we have to it's a dance with women, you know, in this way where you gotta move to the left because here come this emotion or that, and which is fine, it's okay, right? But for myself, right, I'd like to be able to say, here's the space, Travis, that's been created. Let's you and I meet up in that. So I I, I love that. And I even just like the, the small things, like let's call it a meetup. Yeah. It sounds like you've really had to modify your style. One of the things I'm curious about is you said that you had to change the way that you were listening. Um, is there is there anything more you can say about that? Because I like that might even be a nice gateway into like how do you listen to a to a man in a way that's going to serve him? <laughs> well, that's a great question because I believe that there is a, a specific way that we need to listen to men. Um, the first part of it. And this is the most important part is you have to shut up, right? In order for you to listen, that means you have to be quiet. And I say that because what I've learned, Travis, um, in my many years of, of being a therapist is that women um, have not mastered the art of listening. And, and I'll tell you why I say that is because I also work with couples, right? And so the couples come in, and this is just an example of, of how to listen. So the couples will come in, um, you have the woman and I say, okay, miss ma'am, right? Like um, what's happening? Why are you guys here? What's going on? And then she goes, well, he's doing this and he's not doing that. And the dog got lost and he didn't find it. <laughs> and the cat was, you know, and, and then this, and then I need emotional support. And, and she's really good at being able to say, hey, this is what happened. And I'm clear then on why she's here. And then I go, okay, Mr. Sir, um, why are you here? Like, what's going on? And then she goes, well, I'll tell you why he's here. No, no, ma'am. <laughs> talking to him. And while he's talking, she's being sarcastic. She's been cynical, belittling. Um, she's talking while he's talking. And so what he does is then he pulls back and he shuts down. This is what he does in the session. And then she gets a chance to walk away and say, see, I told you he don't know how to communicate, right? And then I though get an opportunity to go, well, no, no, that's not exactly what happened. He can communicate, you, my dear, don't know how to listen. And so I'm gonna show you in the next session what listening is. So in the next session, I say, well, Mr. Sir, tell her how you can improve the relationship. How can we increase uh, relationship satisfaction? And then he goes, well, the men are very specific. 
I'd, I'd like for her to stop doing this, to start doing that. This is this feels overwhelming sometimes. And and that. And then I go, okay, Miss Ma'am, uh, what'd you hear him say? And then she says, Well, it sounds like to me, he just wants to end the relationship. <laughs> no, ma'am, that's not what he just said. It's not, that's I, w- I want you to listen. And, and so when I'm asking you to repeat what you heard him say, I'm not saying go into your feelings. I'm saying, tell me what you heard him say. And I go, well, sir, tell me again. And he goes and he's, you know, he does this thing all over again. And then he's given great detail. And then I say, okay, what about, what about you? Uh, could you tell me what you heard him say? And then she goes right back to it. Well, if he feels that way, then I'm done, right? And so... She's not listening because she's in her emotions. She's in her feelings, right? And so the best way to listen to a man is to get out of your feelings, right? And listen so that you can repeat back what you heard him say. Mm. That's how you listen to your man. I love that, Renee. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah out of the feelings it's simple but it's one of those things that you know most of our work is around what we call the listener speaker technique and that is going because he's talking so um you know we're going to talk a lot about men and we'll talk about relationships too i just there's there's something that you hit on you know early on around research that I just wanted, I just want to make sure I don't, I don't lose that. So, so there's not a lot of research on kind of men's issues or men's psychotherapy. Um, is that a function of men not going to therapy or is it because all the therapists are men and they think they need to solve everyone else's problems? <laughs> Both, I think. Okay. You know, but I think it's, it's probably because men, you know, in most cases, I mean, we're seeing an increase now, but um, man, you know, it's just not their thing. Like, you know, um, therapy, they don't think about therapy first. Like I'm feeling a certain way. I must reach out to a professional. It's just not how, how it works. When these, by the time the men come to me, um, they're in dire need. They're like, look, I've tried everything and I don't know what to do. So I think we have uh, minimal research uh, because men, uh, we have not, the field have has not done a great job at being prepared when they show up. So sometimes they actually do come, but um, I think the biggest problem is we don't know how to make them stay because we're not really prepared. The words we use are very feminized. The actually therapy itself, sit down, talk to me about your emotions. It's very feminized, you know, and so we just, have not found a way, um, which is research that I'm hoping to do, mm. uh, but we just have not found the way to um, learn to sit in that with men, right? In a way that's going to be comfortable for them. Yeah, well, yeah, th- I guess that's right. I mean, you're in the middle of research right now. You're doing, are you doing your PhD, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a candidate, PhD candidate. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're a busy woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> very grateful that you made the time for this so so in so you're kind of you're kind of in it then you're like you're a practice you're a deep practitioner you're a master's level psychotherapist and you're now going back and getting your phd um 
so and you're you're thinking about maybe looking at this kind of men's issues thing maybe as a as a possible research topic yeah I, and i will tell you i i have done research before all the participants were men and the the question was you know what do men really want in relationships right and i don't want to give out too much because i'm i'm still kind of putting the documents and, and things together and possibly even the book maybe uh, but, you know, so uh, it was great because I was able to ask the questions about what do you guys really want? And are you really intimidated by successful women? Uh, do you guys really not like to communicate? You know, all the things that, that you've heard before. Right? All, the, yeah, all the cliche, right? Yeah. All the cliches, right? And I, and I asked. Um, and, and we and we talked about it and met up on a Zoom and we all, you know, just really uh, got an opportunity to just unpack, right? Just me and the men. And so after that, I really wanted to kind of look at the common things. Like, what are they, what's, what's, what's common amongst them all? And I can tell you that it was just dynamic. And I think it's like information that women need because I also have had women fill out the same questionnaire that I had the men fill out just to see if they were anywhere close, right? To what they believe, how they thought the men would respond. And no, they, had, they have no idea what men want because we're still kind of going off of old outdated information, which is kind of the reason I wanted to do the research anyway, because when is the last time we really looked at, you know, what, what men want, right? And if it has been written, it's been written by a woman who not takes it from the, the horse's mouth, but she kind of conceptualizes it and then she feminizes it and then she puts it out there, right? I think the last, it was written by The Sun, a magazine I think called The Sun. And I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but that was the, the last article that was entitled, What Do Men Want? And it wow. was just, I mean, it went left on men. It was like, they don't know what the hell they want. Um, well, that's, I'm glad that that research has been done. Um, and of course, when you when your paper, your book, whatever it is that you produce out of it, whenever that's ready, we'll bring you back on. Um, and I, I think I think it's wise. Don't reveal too much right away. Let's, I will not. Let's keep, the, let's keep the people, keep the people interested. That's right. Um, <laughs> I have to imagine there's got to be a lot of women out there that would want to know, though, um, because as much as as the, you know, kind of pop culture is like men don't know what women want. You know, there's that ridiculous movie with Mel Gibson about what women yeah. want. Like it's just as much as that's as that's true. Yeah. The flip side is also true. It's like men are men are fairly simple on the surface but there's i'm i have to imagine there's some complexity so i i think it's gonna I, be i call i call research. me simply complex simply <laughs> <laughs> that's what i call them because there is there is a, a part that that is it's, it's simplistic in nature isn't it but you know but then you have this other part where um i want to be in this relationship with you right? But I don't want to be responsible for you. Mm. That gets a little deeper because men are, are just now having those conversations for the very first time about what it feels to be with you, what it feels like, 
to be with you. Men are being a bit more verbal now. And so women are hearing this for the very first time where the men are giving a bit of pushback and saying, well, no, I'm not really, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to get married. And, and if I am, uh, I don't know if it's going to be you, right? Or maybe I think it's going to be you, um, but it's going to be some things that, I, that you got to get fixed first. Right, so that's all the other, the, the 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 complex parts, right? That you don't really hear women talking about. When I even when I look through Clubhouse and I look in it, they have these rooms of what do men want, and even the men up there, they're like, well, you know, we want, you know, someone who's attractive, and we want someone who makes money, and we want, but it's the other stuff when you drop down, right, and you start really digging into what you create with the other person right? It's a whole different world, right? And so that's where I really want to do my research, not the simple things, but what we would consider more, a bit more complex. Yeah, I, that's going to that's gonna be, uh, you're going to be racking your brain on that one, I'm sure. But, yeah. but, you know, I think, you know, when you, you know, hearing you speak about that, this, this idea of like, you know, looking at it from the other perspective, it's kind of, it, you know, it seems like, oh, it's just, it's empathy, which, yeah, it's got some relationship and it's got some importance to it. But, you know, it reminds me there was this, um, I was working with a teacher in a, like a, almost like a sexual yoga workshop, you, you know, they're like relational dynamics. But, and one of the, one of the things that he was, he was, he was working with just the men for part of it. And one of the things he talked about was, um, he said, look, he said, if you imagine that you're in a sexual moment, you know, with a partner, with the, you know, with a feminine partner. Imagine what it's like for her mm -hmm. to be intimate with you. Like you, you kind of know what you want. Like, oh, I want, you know, this juicy, sexy, beautiful being. Yeah. But like, what are you bringing to the party? Not like, are you, not, are you, you know, are you shredded and good looking, but like, yeah. how do you move? Like, what's it like to kiss you? What, like all the, all these. And so, it was this beautiful realization where it's like, oh, like, I bet that's kind of unpleasant sometimes. Like, ooh, I didn't really like, and yeah. But that exercise is 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 at least in my opinion, like, the, we haven't really been able to go through it because there's been this huge inequity for so long, where it's like, in a lot of places, and a lot of places is still the case. Like, m women kind of needed men, and yes. now now they don't. I mean, not yeah. now, it's been many years, but it's really this beautiful awakening where now you can approach a relationship as equals. I think what you're describing is the flip side of that, which is like, yeah, yeah but now men are also choosing. <laughs> yes, and, and, and really to be honest, I think as we look at how relationships and marriage, marriages have changed, you're right. Like it, it started, let's say 50s, 40s, Sorry, that's my husband. That's that's okay. That's okay. A little bit. Um, it's it. It we we needed to get married because it was a financial enterprise, right? In order for me to have land, I need you. In order for me to have children, I need a father. I need a mother, right? And so, if you really start digging in research, right, forties, fifties, you don't really hear love 
you don't really hear that these two got in they they the holy matrimony uh, the holy matrimony because of love. It's not what's happened. You know, it was like, well, your great great grandmother made an I thought she'd be an awesome wife and homemaker, and that's why I chose her. Right. So you also see that there was lots of um, infidelity back in those days as well, mm. because marriage is not where you got sex. Right. This was put together because we need each other. However, when it comes to the intimacy, right, when it comes to what I'm really desiring, you see that, you know, these guys were sometimes sleeping in two separate beds because it was not about the love. It was more about two people coming together to sustain the financial enterprise. Well, then over time, right, he saw that um, women don't necessarily need that. I don't need you um, anymore in that way. Well, then men are like, well, then what's my role, right? Like, what's my role? And, and so I think that's kind of pushed me in to a place, unfamiliar territory again, where, okay, I'm not gonna be the one who provides financial security um, and I'm, and she, you know, she, she has this world she can create for herself now. So, you know, so, and so I think men are speaking more out of this new place. Like we're, we're just not going to take anything either. Right. And so marriage and relationships over time have changed so much that I think the roles, you know, they, they were forced to change. And I think that's why we're having so many different conversations because we're trying to figure out how to have how to have relationships now with each other. If you don't need me and I don't need you, then what the hell are we doing? Like, how do we, what puts us together now? You yeah, know, what's the, yeah, it's it. What's the purpose of the relationship? The like it's, it's a question, at least in, you know, in, in the, um, the men's groups that lead, like you ask that question and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know why I'm in a relationship, I guess, because you're supposed to, you're supposed to yeah, exactly. settle down, right? Exactly. You know, my parents are, um, my parents are in the boomer generation, right? So, and, and they've been separated many years. Mm. I was, you know, a few years ago, I remember just kind of sitting around with a group of friends and we were looking around and it's like, we, there's only one set of parents in the whole, there's like 10 sets of 10 friends, one couple who's still together. Yeah. It was like the boomer ways, like raise your children, get your home in the suburbs. Yeah. And then when the kids are grown up, there's really no more reason to be together. Yeah. We don't really need each other anymore. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. So let me, look, let me, I want to, I kind of want to, uh, you know, drop in here that one of the, I mean, you work as a psychotherapist, right? So, I mean, yeah. you're a counselor, whatever you want, like, but you're highly, uh, highly educated. You want. I'm fine with it all. Um how like th there's there's stigma around going to see you though especially yeah. for men and you said earlier like yeah men come they come when the problem like when they're basically in the ditch they're coming to see me yeah. but where like where do you think that stigma is kind of what's the root of it for the most part like what's the big resistance for for men to go and see someone like you um I think this core thought that I'm not man enough to figure it out, you know, and I, I need help to figure out my life. And I think that those types of thoughts uh, would be 
would be the reason, you know, that men quibble with the idea of it. Because some believe that that's what's going to happen when they come to see a therapist, but that's not necessarily what we do. I'm not going to fix your life, right? Like you're the expert, right? I'm more like a co-traveler. You know, I have been trained to see the obstacles. So you still, you guide this thing, right? But when I see an obstacle, which could be um, just one of those behaviors like that you, that's perpetuating like a cycle of bad behavior or bad, um, or just destructive um, behaviors in your life. Like when I, when I see that, well, there's something that you're doing and it's perpetuating the cycle, right? Um, you don't see it. Like when, when you're in a storm, you just know that you're in a storm, right? You don't, you don't know what it looks like. I mean, I can observe it, the storm and go, well, you got this there, this, this, and that, right? So that doesn't make me the expert, right? That makes me your partner, right? But I think it's this idea that I couldn't fix my own life. Like I couldn't fix this problem. You know, men are fixers, right? And I think the other thing is that, you know, lots of therapists are women, right? And so that means that, you know, I'm, I have to go to a woman to help me fix my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a good feeling for men, which I think that could be some of the stigma, but I also think it's just not, um, it's just not part of the history. You just didn't see your dad, your grandfather. They didn't go, well, son, you know, listen, come sit down. I want to have a talk with you. <laughs> you know, when life gets tough, go see a therapist. That didn't yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not part of the, of most people's upbringing. Um, right. I, right. I, I like that's That's a good insight though. Like, I couldn't fix my, I couldn't, men like to fix things. And when we can't fix it ourselves, you know, nobody can help. I mean, that's very alive for me right now. I was going to try to fix the plumbing under my sink this morning. I need to call a professional. This, is not, this is not a job it. for the, for the uh, backyard handyman. Um, but, but at the same time, that's kind of how, that's how I learned, you know, my dad yeah. fixed everything. So I'm like, well, I should be able to do this. And I get a wrench around there. I'm like, this is a really right. bad idea. There's water and expensive <laughs> things around. We should just, this needs to stop. It's a whole um, situation happening. Yeah. yeah it's it. not a, not a good <laughs> idea. Um, so I, one of the, but so where, where, where I was kind of going with this is like this idea of like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not man enough. And, you know, therapies, therapies, a lot of women, but like, what are, what are some, what are some signs that guys should look for? Like to go, I do need therapy. Like, what are some of the, what, what would be some of the earlier warning signs? Is it just like a niggling feeling? Like I'm trying to create a distinction between when this guy should go seek professional help and when he should just phone a friend if he has one, which most right. don't. If he has one, I mean, maybe yeah. he does, we don't know. Um, well, you know, so the simplest way for me to put to put it is when whatever issues you're having start to uh, impact the way you function every day, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I haven't been able to perform at work to the level that I, I typically do. I'm pulling away from my wife. And she's wondering why the children are concerned. I'm drinking more. Um, I've turned to drugs. 
porn, something's going on and it's, and it's, it's directly impacting how I move every day. That's when you have to be honest, tell yourself the truth, you know, something's happening, right? So that means that if you feel a, a bit of depression, that doesn't mean you need to run and see a therapist, right? If you're feeling a bit sad, that doesn't mean, or if you have a bit of anxiety, that doesn't mean you need to go and see a therapist. But when I know that the way that I typically function has been impacted um, by whatever the issues are, that's when it's time to go see about like what's happening. Because if we think systemically, it's not just affecting that man, it's affecting pretty much all like the important players in, in his life, right? The children, the wife, uh, the workers, the co-workers, or the, yeah, the co-workers, business partners, uh, podcast crew, you know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever yeah. the situation is. Yeah. So when it's it's that when it starts to impact you, your the way you function, and it's it's creating an issue, right, for your system of for your system, uh, then you know it's probably time to to reach out. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a great distinction to make when the when day to day is impacted. Yeah. Other things could be like yeah, call your friend or. You know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of of men's groups. They do not replace therapy, but they're a good place to go oh, absolutely clear things that could be, you know, on a Monday night that just need you just need someone to hear you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in in that in that work, one of the things I, that I'm seeing a lot of, and it's you know, it's not new, but it's this kind of like overwhelm and burden that men create I, I find they often create it for themselves like they kind of like I have to do it all it's kind of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. goes right back to the root of why they don't go to therapy because if we Absolutely. can do it all of our all ourselves I've I know I've lived in that world I oscillate in and out of it you know yeah I've got a great support network now and Good. but that that burden it's like oh life is kind of crushing me yeah is it feels like it feels like it's a huge issue for a lot of men. And I'm, I'm just curious if it's something that you see a lot of, or if I'm kind of, you know, out in oh, no, it's, it's, um, it's a heavy burden. I mean, it really, really is. Um, because when you can't figure it out and I want to figure it out because I want to make the system better, but I can't figure it out then yes, like, again, it impacts everything because I'm supposed to be able to figure it out, right? And I, and I shouldn't need help. My dad didn't need help. My grandfather didn't need help, you know, and I am the head of the household. I am the leader. So I'm supposed to know all, you know, and I, and I can't. And so that just takes us down the rabbit hole, right? Because then <clears throat> it, it kind of starts there at the surface, but then it it works its way down into some of what I call the unconscious material, right? Which are things that, um, which is like residue from experiences from childhood, right? Like, so I started with, I couldn't fix that plumbing, right? I just, I don't know, it was water shooting everywhere. My wife got upset with me. She called me a bad name. <laughs> 
And I ended up having to call the plumber and I did, Renee, but, you know, I'm still kind of trying to figure out why did she say that to me? You know, when I was younger, my mom used to call me, you know, and so it, it's just like that. So the, the it seems like the trip down the rabbit hole, like we're, we're, we're holding on to and grasping at all kind of experiences and residue from the past. So by the time they come see me, they're thinking about all the other times that I could not fix something. And, and I'm, I'm here again in the same situation. I thought by now, I'd be a lot further ahead. It's a whole story. And it could just start with the plumbing, maybe. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. That's a good, maybe that's a good place to go. Like this unconscious material you're talking about, you know, comes from, from trauma, you know, that could be, it could be very intense, you know, particularly abusive trauma, or it could just oh, yeah. be, you know, everyone's got something that happened to them when they were very young. Yeah. Are you, you know, without giving away your secret, you know, like, how do you kind of, how do you pull that out of, out of man? Like I, I find that part, like, I like, don't, I don't want to talk about childhood. And you're like, you kind of, you kind of need to. <laughs> Please. No, I'm afraid. Um, so it's, 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 um, once the foundation has been laid, right? Cause that has to happen. Like they don't come in and go, Hey, Renee, my name's Travis. And I go, look, tell me about your trauma. <laughs> tell me about your you childhood. Know? Yeah. Tell me, tell me all of the things. Um, so um yeah it's about that relationship first so the the first part of that is me introducing myself right me saying hello Travis this is who I am this is what I do and this is what this is going to look like right do you have questions about that because I'm I'm really I'm really uh interested in hearing um how you just digested everything that I said and then that they'll say, okay, well, you know, I don't want to be here. It was just a damn pipe, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. But now that you mentioned, you know, so it's one of those things that once we, we've kind of laid a bit of foundation, I've introduced myself, I've kind of let them know what this is all about, what it's going to look like, right? Because I've noticed that with me and they're already kind of like, uh, what is this? Like, what's going to happen? Am I going to have to lay down? analyze me but when I go hey let's relax um I just want you to get to know me I want to get to know you and uh and then if you want you can tell me a bit about what brought you in today right so it's not just going through the front door and taking a look around and going that's trauma and that's trauma you know it's just kind of like us talking and so once I introduce myself and then of course I want them to introduce themselves because I want to hear um the words that he used because I want to use those words right and and that's key right so when he goes hey I'm Travis um I do whatever whatever you know I'm an electrical engineer um then I'm thinking okay well that's I need to start thinking along those lines because he understands that way right and then he goes into well I, I love cars uh, that's that's something that usually helps me de-stress I need to be thinking about that Right. And so uh, then I start asking questions and I make sure that uh, if there are any commonalities that we talk about it. 
right? And I do have a lot in common. I ride motorcycles um, as a hobby. I fix my motorcycle. I was a truck driver, 18-wheeler um, for a while. So there's lots of things that I have in common with men, right? And most of yeah. the guys that I ride with are men. And so um, I, usually there's a way we can connect, right? And that makes them feel a bit more comfortable. Like, oh, she's not like a girly girl because I'm not like a girly girl, right? So I'm talking about motorcycles, cars, and whatever else, you know, these guys want to talk about. Um, and then so we were setting the stage, right? And then um, and then at that point, I, I, I'm trying to feel the room. I'm trying to see, you know, is it a good time to talk, you know? And then sometimes I'll ask, I'll go, you know, like right now, I want to ask you a bit more about what you mentioned when you were intro introducing yourself uh, about the hostile relationship you had with your mom, but I'm not sure if it's time. What, what did you think? And they go, well, I think you're right. I think we better wait, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's again, a partnership, right? And then they come in the next time and they're like, you remember what you asked me the last time? I think I'm ready to talk. So it, it kind of looks like that. It sounds like you create a really nice safe space. And I'm really glad that I know that you used to drive an 18 wheeler now as well. <laughs> Very happy to know. I that. am glad that I know that you can't fix a pipe because I won't call you. Like, Don't, with, yeah, do not call goes. me with, yeah. I did install new light fixtures. So the electrical okay, side well, seems to be, it's the water, the water part that freaks me out a bit. You know, I'm happy to get, you know, zapped, but the water okay. is not good. Um, so, you know, the, one of the, you know, I, one of the things I, I really want to ask you about, I mean, this is, this is kind of, this is the men at work podcast. And a lot of, a lot of what I'm, what I'm working with in my field is, is men in the corporate world. Um, and it, it seems to me that it's kind of the last, it's like one of the, it's the last bastion of kind of old school, you know, father knows best kind of, of leadership and, and mentality. And, you know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the pieces of research that I came across from a, a researcher in, in my neck of the woods out in British Columbia was, you know, looking at this, the way that most organizations were set up was, you know, by man, it was largely this strict hierarchy structure. And, and it's, it's kind of becomes this alpha contest, like who can be the most alpha, what, regardless of gender, even today, it's the same. Yeah. So, and her research indicated what, what it came out was like, look, most people, regardless of how they identify gender wise, hate that structure. Yeah. But men in particular have no desire to speak up because they think everyone else likes it. And <laughs> is this yeah, what I, research said? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So, it was, uh, anyway, it was an interesting piece because I thought, well, that, like, it's basically like the emperor's got nothing on, but nobody wants to say anything, right? right. Like, like, I'm everyone everyone kind of hates this kind of alpha dominant contest at work. I mean, it's, people want to succeed and do well. We should, I think, I, I believe in that, but there's a, a line that tends to get crossed in most organizations. I'm curious if that, if any of that at all shows up when you're working with men, like does, the, does work stuff show up? Or are you primarily dealing with relational stuff and past trauma? Maybe they're the same. <laughs> well, I was going to say they, it's all it's all part of the system. You know, it's all part of the system. I can tell you this: that most men, and I have not done the research, but it's just kind of based on what 
I've experienced so far. Most men who, and we'll, when we say trauma, we'll label one specific trauma, uh, men who have been <clears throat> molested. Um, somehow with the men that I've worked with um, have found themselves in relationships with very powerful positions mm. because it, it, it gives me my power back, right? And so these are the CEOs and the CFOs and the pastors um, because it's just a relationship, isn't it? Right? It's, it's, I have a relationship with this thing and I hold the powerful position in it. Therefore, I am still powerful. Right. And so, and this is not for all men, right? I'm just speaking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, uh, what I'm finding is that. So, so yes, I think when you, to answer your question, I think it's all part of the system, to be honest. And, I, and not for every one of these guys, it's in the research and uh, your research um, that, that, that you, you looked at. But <clears throat> I would be interested to see, like, if you really started to unpack and was very specific about trauma, right? I, I think we'd find something is, is all I'd say. You know, again, having not researched it, but having anecdotal, you know, support, I, I've seen it. Like my, I'm, I'm working with corporate leaders primarily yeah. and in an intimate setting, I've been alarmed at how many oh. of them have had some kind of sexual abuse. Um, so you see it even with, you know, maybe um, we need to do this research. I don't know yeah. what's going on, but you see it. You're saying even with the, the men that you work with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's rare that it gets talked about. Yeah. Except in a one on one setting, sometimes in a group, if it's only men and there's something that, you know, there's yeah. there's a way to kind of break the ice around it. But um yeah, I was, you know, hearing you say that, I thought, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that. And um, it's one of, the, I think it's, I mean, I, you probably, I mean, I'm sure you, you deal with men who've had all kinds of trauma, but it's one of the things that it's often kind of under the undercover, like really under the covers, because there's so much shame around it. And that makes sense. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I get it. Um, and it's also such a powerful gateway to to be better leadership in my view is like to kind of process it with someone like you or like a professional. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't show up in that unconscious kind of power seeking <laughs> power hungry motive. Um, it reminds me of one client that I was working with and uh, just to make the story a bit shorter, he, uh, when he learned that um we had to, of course, unpack all of this and, and do the work there. But when he learned that um, there was so many other options, so many other ways um, to show up and still be powerful, right? Like it changed his life, right? And, and really the work was his and he did the work. It was just me kind of asking questions like, you know, I wonder if you tried this right? If, if what you find, right? Because this was a male who um, was, had held a very powerful position. Um, 
but see those relationships again. Like he just, he suffered in relationships and it could be just the smallest thing that she does or, or, or she say, and it would take him all the way back to trauma. He'd go all the way back, dig it up and come back with the response, right? And, um, and so we really had to work on that. And, and one of the techniques that we use is called reparenting, right? Where he has to kind of go back to the wounded eight-year-old, if you will, right? And, and, and he has to say, um, that's not what happened. She, she didn't say that you were unworthy, right? That's not, that's not what happened. You are worthy, right? And, and she sees you, right? Um, but that's not, she, she didn't, that's not what she meant, right? And so, and he has to kind of go inside and do that work and then come out with a better response because if not, he goes way deep and, and he digs up the pain, right? And he responds from the trauma, right? And so that sounds like, you know, of course he's lashing out because I have to defend myself because you're telling me that I'm not good enough when that's not what she said but that's what he heard through the trauma, through the pain, because it's that unconscious material that gets triggered in relationships, right? So um, it was affecting the relationship with his work, I'll say, um, because it's the relationship, right? That I, I hadn't learned how to <clears throat> be in relationship with anything without destroying it, whether it's the relationship with my wife the relationship with myself or the relationship with my career across the board, they all look the same. Uh, that is, um, I think that's quite profound, Renee. I mean, there's a, I certainly, I mean, I agree with you <laughs> to start yeah. with. Like there, that thread, it, it, it just cannot be, you can try to break it. And there's people that, I've come across that they're, you know, we're working in the, in, you know, in the corporate environment and they're like, well, it's, this is nothing to do with anything else. I'm like, my shit shows up everywhere. So does yeah, yours. Do. Like it's, it shows up when I'm working, it shows up when yeah. I'm with my kids. It and so, but I, the, the thread you drew that I just want to really nail is like, it's all relationship our relationships relationship with self relationship with a partner relationship with a child relationship with a job with colleagues with direct reports with your yeah. boss with like whatever that might be it's the same relational patterns getting repeated um, also relationship with god yes right it's all the same relationship like if that this particular guy he was he had really really high expectations for his wife Right. But he was so critical when it comes to himself because he had these high, high expectations. Uh, he had really high expectations for his employees. And when they when they when, when when he had to come down on them, he was coming down on himself. Right. Right. And then when he talked to God, he go like you, you have forsaken me. Because look at all that I asked you to do and you did high expect, you know. And so everywhere you got across all relationships, I have not learned. And this is where you're talking about shit. This is my whole mantra is own your shit because it comes to a point eventually where we have to talk about that, this man and myself, 
you got to own your shit on this one. I'm not saying that you have to own it forever, but you got to own it in order to fix it. It doesn't belong to your wife or your children or your employees or even God. It is, it, I know it stinks, but it is yours and you got to own it. Yeah, that's, um, that's beautiful. You know what, Renee, I actually own your shit is where I want to wrap up this conversation <laughs> because perfect. I, I, there just couldn't be, there couldn't be a truer way to close this out for the, for the men listening, for the women, for wh- whoever else you identify, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. You own your shit and you, and you, you have to carry it around with you in the world and find a way to work through it. Um, look, I know you're, you know, you're doing so much. You're doing all this research. You're in the middle of a PhD You're you know, master's level psychotherapist. Uh, where, what's the easiest way for someone to go and find you if they want to come work with you or find out more about what you're up to? Well, uh, my website, which is www.crenegreer.com. Um, and you can contact me um, through email, which is I, uh, I'm Renee Greer at gmail.com. And so that's I am Renee Greer um, at gmail.com. Um, or contact me through my uh you can call me at 214-253-9534. Uh, I do have to say though, I, at the moment, I don't have any available um, open sessions, but that changes with each month. But right now I have a waiting list, but I, you know, if someone calls me and they're saying, hey, I want to get on the waiting list, we can make that happen. Or I can also help them find a therapist. So you can still contact me either way. I will link this all up in the show notes. I'm not surprised that your calendar is full. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad. Cool. I'm glad it's full. I'm not, I'm not glad people are in trauma and need help, but I'm glad that um, I'm glad because what you bring to the table is really refreshing. And, um, and I really want to thank you for being on the podcast today at the end of a long day, Renee. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you on Clubhouse and um, to hearing this episode. There we go. I told you that Renee Greer was going to be an awesome guest. Um, I really hope you took some stuff away and took some notes. If you want to get a hold of her, I'll link everything up in the show notes for you. Um, she sounds like she's uh, incredibly busy, which is great. And if you loved this episode, I always appreciate your reviews on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps me to know how you're feeling about the episodes. And if you want to leave any commentary, which is difficult to do on most podcast channels, you can send me a message through my website, travisstreb.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.